Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Or can you not? You don't listen, do you? I don't think you ever really hear me. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. It stuck with me. I kept coming back to it, just trying to figure out where in the world we had gone so wrong that it had ended up here. Well, I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? We not here, is. Failure to communicate. Some man you just can't reach. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You don't tell your puppy how to cut the electorate. We ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. Oh, you're not entertained. Are you not entertained? Is that why you are here? And welcome to the Pirate Professor Podcast. This is your captain speaking. Hey crew, how you doing? So it's been a little while since I've done one of these. I guess it's been a hot minute. Uh, Last semester, but hey, it's a new semester. And what a day it has been. What a day, what a day. So it is, I am recording this for future listeners it is currently january 20th 2021 it is the inauguration day of uh, now president joe biden and it was the last day of now former president trump Now, how do I talk about, like, the last few weeks? And I guess this is one of these things that, um, I don't mean this, like, I don't know where you are politically. I don't, I don't know, I'm probably, there's a chance I know you, uh, but I don't necessarily know who else is going to be listening to this, um. I don't know where you fall politically, and I don't, honestly, I really don't care that much. Um, politics and things that people feel strongly about, I, I typically, I give a lot of people a, a fairly wide berth on that um, under one condition. They can believe a lot of things as long as I feel like the core of their belief is bringing them to a place that they think they're trying to make things better. Like, um, like they can believe some stuff that I don't believe in. But if the, the central premise of their belief is something that they think trying to make the world somewhat of a better place then I may not agree with it but at least I can I can respect its premise or its origin um, the place in their soul that it's coming from you know in many places that's the um, you know we, we get lopsided on that I've had a lot of conversations in the past few weeks let me let me try to sum up Joe Biden won the presidential election 
um, by several million votes plus, you know, popular vote plus the Electoral College, several swing states um, that had gone to Trump in 2016, went to Biden in 2020, uh, and then uh, including Georgia, uh, flipped from a red state to a blue state. And with all of that, um, President Trump would not concede the election. Uh, repeatedly claimed that the election was stolen. 60 plus lawsuits later, all but one were thrown out. Lack of evidence, you know, some weren't even heard because of a lack of evidence. Um, you know, and the reality is a lot of the judges that claimed uh, or wouldn't hear or ruled against these cases are uh, judges that uh, President Trump had appointed himself. But the narrative kept going and going that the election was stolen. Without evidence, but, depends on who you ask, depends on whether or not there was evidence or not, or a massive cover-up. And honestly, I don't want to get into all that. Um, people are, at this point in the game, people are pretty entrenched in their system of beliefs and this is kind of where really more the the what i want to get to tonight um it's these systems of beliefs these things that they believe to be true uh the thing that they find truth in so with that in mind um those who believe that the election stolen that narrative was amped up and amped up and amped up and amped up and amped up by the president himself until it came to a head on January 6th at a um, Trump rally at the on the National Mall at the same time that the Senate was confirming the Electoral College vote and if you're living and breathing today you know what happened next is that rally of protesters turned into a mob uh, that stormed the U.S. Capitol. And we all saw just a terrible day unfold. Um, and many people point their finger directly at President Trump for that. Um, one Capitol Police officer was killed. One of the people who stormed the building was shot and killed by a uh, Capitol Police officer. That person was a Air Force veteran. A few other people died. Um, some of, you know, things like a heart attack, medical conditions. And one of the Capitol Police officers uh, committed suicide um, shortly after it was all over. The House of Representatives uh, then voted to uh, impeach Trump for the second time um, almost a year to the date and he was um, tried before for insurrection and uh, that trial has not happened yet um, but then uh, this morning it was the inauguration and uh, President Trump did not stick around for it as uh, tradition. He left early this morning on Air Force One, went to Florida to uh, his golf course, or Margo Lago, his resort there. And now we have President Biden in a our inauguration ceremony that was had no almost no audience other than dignitaries. There was no uh, the National Mall was covered in flags. 
And it was essentially a military green zone because tens of thousands of National Guard troops were stationed in Washington, D.C., protecting it because there were lots of threats of, again, more armed insurrection. Now, we had the inauguration. There was no violence. Uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated as president and Kamala Harris as the uh, first female, first African-American, first Indian-American vice president. And that's where we are right now. That is America today. And why I bring that up for a our social media class tonight is because much of the drama that unfolded was a direct result of the use of social media. Uh, President Trump, one of the other things I guess I f- failed to mention was immediately after uh, the Capitol invasion, whatever whatever you want to call it, insurrection, uh, Twitter permanently kicked Trump off of its platform and commenced to wholesale expelling a lot of the right wing folks who then went to parlor. Um, I don't know if, but the, you know how long they'll exist, but then they got parlor got yanked by Amazon from its, you know, hosting service. And then, so they went dark for a while and now they came back. Um, but the other thing was this whole QAnon, uh, conspiracy belief that had folks thinking that basically at noon today, like there was going to be like this, I was called Operation Storm or the Storm or something of that nature. That basically Trump was going to come in and the military was going to flip and it was just going to be this huge, massive coup. And the Democrats were all going to be exposed as everything from like deep state to pedophiles to all this stuff. And it didn't happen. The inauguration went off without a hitch. President Trump, now in Florida. President Biden, now in the White House. And there's a lot of sort of people scratching their heads today, this evening. There's a lot of reflection going on in the country right now. And, um, man, I don't blame you. Because it's always that sort of question of how did how did we get here? And I'm not going to jump right or left as far as this goes. I'm gonna I'm, today's gonna be a little bit of a uh, American themed uh, from some of the other, this and some of the other stuff I'm gonna play. Um, but I was driving home from class last night and I was thinking about a lot of this. And uh, you know this is all before the inauguration because you're always I don't know how many inaugurations I've now watched in my lifetime, but I always watch them with just a little bit of anxiety because you just sort of you've you've seen too many movies, like you've seen you know Lone Survivor or whatever, or not um, Designated Survivor. You've seen all of these these kind of things, and you're just like, is this it? is this going to be the moment? And then it passes, and then you've got right-wing friends and left-wing friends and they're all either, you know, upset or, you know, grumbling and or celebrating or whatever they are, wherever they are. So I was driving home last night and I was sort of thinking about that. And it was I was tired. It was a long day. I had a night class. You know, you start your day at 6 a.m. and you teach till 9 o'clock at night and then it's an hour drive home so you don't get home till 10. Pretty tired by that point. And I started thinking about my taking a shower because I thought, you know, there's there's few things that feel better after a long day than just a nice hot shower. It's just sort of that little moment of zen in your day. And then I started thinking about the knobs on my shower faucet. Hot and cold. 
one has red, one has blue. You know, in days like today, it's kind of cold and rainy. Muscles are stiff, kind of achy. And sometimes I just want to turn up just a little bit more of that red. Feels good. But then there's other times. It's hot outside, it's summer, sweating. Sun has been harsh. Dirty, hot. And then I want to turn on a little more blue. Cool myself down. Now the thing I thought about was, you know, there's very, there's hardly ever a time that I want either all red or all blue. You know, and it's. It's always seeking the balance between those two that makes showers feel better. Kind of makes everything feel better. I mean, you could talk about this with your air conditioner as far as I'm concerned. This analogy carries over. But you hardly ever want it all the way over to one side or the other. And it's that balance between red and blue it actually creates the place that's sort of the best place to live. I don't know, man. Think about that. Just think about that for a little bit. And um, I'm going to talk about... We're going to... Today... Today we're gonna just we're gonna be a little bit America and then we're gonna jump into social media and we're gonna kind of talk about some kind of you know maybe we're what we'll get with this semester is we're gonna kind of like if you ever want to know how like how we got here uh, there's a lot I can explain from like the you know the the way social media works like the way it really works like there's the way that people think it works. And then there's kind of that wizard behind the curtain who's really sort of doing things that are, it's changing it a little bit. It's functioning in much the same way you think it is, but also there's a lot more going on. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, simply efforts toward efficiency um, without considering... Um, kind of unintended consequences of that. Alright, so before I jump into that, I'm going to play a little Ray Charles because, man, who doesn't want to hear Ray Charles? Amber waves of rain 
Not this guy. I love it. Love, 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 love it. Love it. Um, let's talk about. Let's talk about. How do you know what's true? Yes, that question. Any one of you. How do you know what's true? So it's talking about the QAnon folks a little bit. Um, any if you're not familiar with QAnon. I would say Google it, but just don't stay. Just stay away from that stuff. Uh, but it's just, it's essentially conspiracy theory stuff that comes from this anonymous source Q, who's supposed to like be an insider who knows things that we're not. You know, the rest of the world's not supposed to know. And basically, there's this secret organization. This is kind of like Dan Brown stuff. Like there's this secret group who's running things. And I'm not saying there's not some secret groups running things, but I just don't think it's QAnon or QAnon or however you pronounce it. I don't think they're the arbitrator of this information. Um, because some of them are pretty feeling pretty silly today. Um, because at noon things didn't change. And that's the dumb, that's the dumb stinking luck of all of this stuff. You, you know, like there's always been these prophecies like, you know, 2012 at midnight, the world was going to end. Y2K, well, that one, that one had a little bit more validity, but it turns out that nothing happened then either. Um, but it gets back into, you know, sort of, um, how do you know it's true? Like when, and specifically within the context of this course, I'm going to be talking about social media less from the perspective of somebody who's like, I want to be an influencer and I want a million followers and get a lot, a lot of, lot of money and sponsorships that's got its place. But there's, there's another more strategic thing going on that where we talk about like, you know, if you're getting your followers, like in the world of social media, the followers are the product. We, as the users of social media are the product. That's why it's free. Uh, because there's so much data mining going on because they're tracking absolutely everything we do. Our digital footprint gets tracked constantly and it's getting better with the rise of, you know, artificial intelligence that's moving in there. Um, you know, so when you get ads showing up on your phone or on your desktop, that seems spooky accurate accurate to what you want that's all those out that's all the algorithms and artificial intelligence working to make it so and 
they've gotten really, really good at it. Um, I haven't seen any information on it, but let's like to kind of give you an idea. Like, how many of you out there have like an Apple Watch or a Fitbit or something attached to your wrist? You know, and that's feeding information to your phone, and it's all connected, and you've got it's an app. Um, don't think that that information's not also being looked at. And they're not only tracking your digital, you know, habits and your digital footprint, but they're also tracking your biological footprints at this point. So they know like things like when you're, well, they already, they kind of know when you're sleeping and not sleeping just for your phone usage. And, you know, you've got that little gyro in your phone that tells them when it's getting picked up and moved around and the GPS is showing them where you go. But now they also get things like your heart rate, your breathing. Like they know if you're having a psychological response to a thing or a physiological response. Like they know if you see something, you get excited or scared. And they're able to track that kind of information and then use it um, because they understand you. Um, I'll throw a link up there. I'm not going to force anybody to watch it. Um, But there's two documentaries on Netflix that you should watch if you're interested in this kind of stuff. One is called The Great Hack. The Great Hack. And that's a documentary about social media and this company called Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica did some kind of sketchy stuff as far as data mining. And um, they're one of these companies that really kind of dug into Facebook and just pulled a whole lot of user information without people really realizing what they were doing. And the other one is um, called The Social Dilemma, and a bunch of people have watched that one, Uh, and it's good. And it kind of gets into sort of the other stuff that goes on, how things get a little crazy, Um, like how um, sort of the addictive nature of phones is by design. Our social media is by design. Have you ever tried to give up your uh, phone for a while? I I tried an experiment for a while, and like I, I deleted all the social media apps off my phone just to see what would happen. And it's amazing how needy they like. You start pushing stuff so hard at you, like every like they start like you stop using the social network. For too long, then they start sending you emails. Then they start sending you other stuff, and then like there's just it it sort of gets a little crazy, and they're they're just looking for that special sauce to get you to click that button again to get you back using again. Um, and it's really interesting. It's really inter- It's a little spooky, um, but it's also really interesting. Um, I know we, we probably need this is sort of a wild west of. We're gonna there's there's gonna be a need uh, for some level of of um, regulation in that before long, and I have a feeling it's coming soon because I think we've understood we're starting to understand that the human brain is actually fairly easy to hack, and if you can do that on a large scale, then you can get people to do some pretty crazy stuff, and that's that's one of those tools that's just a little bit too powerful to go to be used. Um, without some checks and balances behind it. So that being said, uh, let's jump into social media for a little bit. So I'm pulling up power, the PowerPoint for Chapter 1. So if the rest of you out there who happen to be listening to this are not taking my social media class, you're more than welcome to sit and listen. Um, but I'm going to be looking at some PowerPoints, which if you're in the class is on the Blackboard shelf. And I also expect you guys to read chapter one, which is where this information's coming from, uh, at least most of it. It's called The New Digital Landscape. So let's get started on this. Is, is The first thing is, this stuff never stops changing. The rapid growth of digital technology is, there's this thing called Moore's Law. 
and it, it, it's starting to break down a little bit, but it's basically, it's been in place for decades. It essentially says the processing power and storage capacity of digital devices doubles like every 18 months. So it's, it's like compound interest. It just keeps doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling. And so computers are getting faster and they're able to process more and they're able to store more. And so the programming that can happen uh, is getting increasingly complex, increasingly intelligent. And because of that, you know, we don't necessarily know, like, the, like we'll start pulling levers, but we don't necessarily know what the long-term effects of these things are. We don't necessarily know how it's going to play out, but what we do know is it's going to change. So, case in point. Remind you of how old I am. Um, I'm, and I'm not that old in the great scheme of things, but I went to college in the nineties, the early, I went to left and went to college in the early nineties and my parents sent me to college with a typewriter. I didn't have, there was no internet for people. We, you know, we had with the library and we dug through a card catalog and looked at microfish. Now I had a, what I thought was a fairly advanced typewriter and I still have it because it did have a floppy disk drive. So I could, I could write my papers and save them to, you know, a three and a half inch floppy drive, which you, I don't know, you'd be hard pressed to even find one of those anymore. It's kind of like you find it with a cassette tape somewhere. And so I rolled on through that. And then, you know, when I was a senior in college, I bought my first computer. I paid I think I took out a small loan and paid like $2,500. This is in the, the 95, 96, $2,500 for my first computer, which had a color monitor. And I was pretty impressed with that. Now the thing that it also did, it had a CD-ROM, which was fancy in itself. The CD-ROM had a um, Encyclopedia Britannica disc. Uh, that came with the computer. And that was the first time I'd ever been able to just sort of like click through articles. And it was sort of the first time I ever had an experience that sort of resembled what the internet became later. And I remember just sort of staying up all night, just sort of like reading articles. Like I'd never seen something like that before. Now, after I graduated, I got my first email address, which was a big deal. And, you know, and then a few years later, I got my first cell phone. It was a bag phone. You know, and you know, um, still had landlines mostly. You know, and then time rolls on, and then by the early two thousands, we first start getting social media. We had like MySpace, and then Zanga was out there. Ask your parents; they'll probably know what that is. Or your, if you have an uncle or aunt, they might know. They're they're in their thirties or forties; they'll know. Anyway, and then you know, Facebook comes around in like two thousand five. Now, one of the things that happened in then, because I was working in technology at that point, I was working in the web world, and I was part of a startup, a social media startup company uh, out of New Hampshire, and we, we worked and built a social media uh, platform from scratch uh, in like 2006, 2007, 2006, 2005, 2006, right in there somewhere. And, and it was designed just sort of to help people who were trying to do things like nonprofits and what it was designed just to sort of help people connect to people who are people who do stuff, connect with other people who do stuff. Now, the thing that happened, um, that's pretty easy to see in retrospect is just simply that it didn't work. Um, you couldn't just, you couldn't create a space and then have an expectation of how people would use it because people were going to use it the way they wanted to use it. And so one of the things that happened uh, is it got adopted by a lot of like church groups, um, and then the more conservative folks in those groups and the more progressive folks in those groups started arguing with each other. And then it's the thing just devolved and it stopped being anything that actually served a purpose and it just turned into a bunch of people arguing with each other. Which then in turn ran off all the people who were actually trying to accomplish something. 
And long story short, you know, we lost our, our user base. And then we lost our user base. We lost our funding. And then the next thing you know, you know, we sold off the software to, you know, somebody hopefully, you know, trying to recoup some of the losses. And that was it. Um, so one of the lessons that I got, I, I, I was taught very early on is simply that, you know what, um, there's a propensity for arguments in social media. Like there's, it's, they're primed for that because it's a lot of times it's strangers talking to strangers and there's this thing that happens when people step away from someone else. Like there's this, there's this distance of your screen and people will say and do things to other people online that they would never consider doing in person. And that's what happened. And it fell apart. So, honestly, um, when Twitter started kicking people off recently, I, I actually felt a little bit of sympathy for them. Not much, because they'd been profiteering off of it for years. And I think mostly they did it because they were looking for a backdoor to try to get out of some liability or any responsibility they might have had before the capital siege. You know, and that's just me being cynical, but it's also me sort of being a realist. And I guess, but what I'm saying, going back to the original topic, is none of this stops changing. Like, as soon as one thing, like when I started, like Facebook came out, it was the king in like uh, early uh, 2007, 2008. Nobody knew what Twitter was back then. Or certainly, you know, YouTube was kind of around, but it was just sort of like... You know, it was just some videos, not anything huge. And then it became, and then they started tweaking things with like recommended videos. And recommended videos turns into a, its own sort of animal. Um, and if you want a podcast on that one, uh, look at the rabbit hole. Uh, it's podcast is a series done by the New York Times on how people can get radicalized uh, by using YouTube, which sounds insane to say out loud. But if you're interested, the rabbit hole makes more sense than you think. Um, anyway, technology's changed. Uh, mobile phones came out, smartphones a little over a decade old. And so you've got so much technology in your pocket. You've got your iPhone gives you more communication possibility than the m- biggest television network had 20 years ago you potentially can have a larger audience than the largest television network could have had 20 years ago. And it's all in your pocket, and mostly you can do it for free. And the thing you need to remember is, this is all going to keep changing. Your kids are going to look at what you're doing right now in the same way that you thought about me when I said MySpace. Like, oh my God, you had MySpace? It's going to seem that silly, I promise. So, what is social media? It's it, it basic is it's a it's platforms that allow people to connect with a specific group of people. Now the thing in the early days we we talked about one of the words that we used all the time was called tribes. You'd always like you allow people to find their tribe. That was such a catchword. Find their tribes. We forgot that tribes fight. Um, but what it simply does is allow people to find people that they have a common interest in or common interest with. Um, and that can be good. Like, if you're trying to do something good, it can be it can be wonderful. Because, you know, if you're trying to figure out how to do stuff, or if you're into a certain thing, like, I don't know, I'm into boats. So I like sailboats. So I'm in all kinds of sailing forums, and so I can connect to people, and so we can share, you know, like I can find people who have the exact same kind of boat I have. I don't know these people, and they're all over the world. But I can go, hey, man, I've got this problem. Have you had this problem? And they're like, oh, yeah, I saw. I had to deal with that two years ago. This is what you need to do. And these are the things that make it super useful. What makes it not so useful is if you share the thing that you share is some sort of paranoia, or distrust, or some kind of prejudice. Because then what you can do in those cases is you end up creating an echo chamber and you just feed each other bad information. 
Um, I'm going to keep going though. Cause that's, a, that's, I can just keep going down that way. Cause we're so deep into that. And I'll probably talk a ton about that as far as the semesters goes. Um, but it, at its basic premise, it's just simply people can connect to other people that they've got something in common with. And you post content. That's it's just stuff. There's people who are con- more content creators, and there's people who are kind of more content consumers. Um, your journalism students, mostly, I'm assuming, if you're in this class, so you probably are content producers. You're trying to write stuff. You're taking photos. You're creating videos. You're doing stuff. Now, the rest of the world, you kind of have informers, participants, judges, and then you have the lurkers. So the informers are the people who create stuff. This is you and me. We're creating stuff. We're making stuff happen. You know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes you get a million followers. Sometimes you get two. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes. And sometimes algorithms push the kind of stuff that they think they want other people to see. So, you know, part of this is learning kind of part of, you know, the idea of being popular is or or trending or going viral is if the kind of content you're producing is the kind of content the algorithms are interested in pushing. Well, then you've got the participants. These are the people that you're hoping to connect with. They're the ones that they, they're sharing it. They're following you. They're liking it. These are This is where you're getting your engagement. Um, then you also have the judges. And these are the people who are doing more, a little more commenting, more reviewing, more criticizing. Uh, and then you have the lurkers. Lurkers aren't necessarily... I mean, yeah, they could be the creepy ones. But these are people who mostly just watch. They're watching, but they're not saying anything. So, for these folks, we can, we can create our digital self or whatever our persona is. And this is the version of us that we put online. And, you know, there are arguments. Is this the true version of us or is this a fake version of us? I think in many cases what we do is we create what we think is the ideal version of us. Like in some cases it's I put the person online that I want you to think that I am. But chances are I'm putting the person online that I want to think that I am, that I really want to be. Maybe I'm adventurous. Maybe I want to show you that my life is amazing. Maybe I want to show you that I'm smart. Whatever it is, I'm trying to put a version out there that I think is like me being the best version of me. Maybe, maybe not. Now, then we've got the mobile technology, which is all your phones. Uh, This is the stuff that's moving. And this is really still probably the fastest growing part that um, we don't fully think about um we think about i've got a phone i can connect but the things that we don't really consider is that really we've got a bit of a symbiotic relationship with our phones you're smarter when you have that phone because and you're more connected to the world when you have that phone like i mean you have you know you have google you can look up any piece of information that you want to you need to get a hold of somebody they're just a button or you know asking Siri or whoever uh, to reach out and find that person. You can do all kinds of stuff. Um, if you've got like the Find My Friends or stuff like that, where you can actually see where each other are on a map, you can track each other, do all kinds of stuff. Um, but that's the mobile technology. And then you've got social media marketing, which is kind of where we are for this. This class is where we're talking about how we bring all this stuff together. Like, how do you use all of these tools? How do you use... And it's easy for me to kind of get like doom and gloom a little bit about the bad side of social media. It's not necessarily a good or a bad. Um, The technology itself is is amoral. Um, Where it's causing problems for people is it mostly only thinks in terms of what information can I put out there that will cause engagement? What information can I put in front of this person that will make them click the like button, which will make them comment, which will make them share, which will cause them to write a review? What kind of comp information can I put out there that will create this response? And it doesn't necessarily care if it's accurate information. 
if it's information that'll make you smarter, it's just wants you to do something with the information. It wants your attention. Uh, and really this is what we're talking about. It's a, it's an attention economy and social media is essentially buying into the attention economy. And so, um, this allows brands to get the attention of their customers and engage with their customers. It increases your organic rankings, which is kind of like, you know, when you don't have to pay somebody to share your information. Uh, it allows a brand to build an image. Like, and it's kind of silly to think about brands building, building some sort of personal image, but they do now. It allows you to engage like from a customer service perspective. Um, product development because you get feedback from your customers on like what's working and what's not working. Uh, it's cheaper to advertise this way because you can focus specifically on the audience that you want to reach. And ultimately it's a more efficient delivery system. Um, I love newspapers, but newspapers are no longer an efficient delivery system. Um, they're expensive to produce, expensive to buy, subscribe to, you either have to, you know, pay someone and actually deliver it to your house or you have to go get it. And then, you know, or you can read the exact same words online. Um, and this all gets back to something that's called ROI, which is a, it makes, is basic information in the world of marketing and business. It just means return on investment. The amount of revenue a brand makes as a result of the strategy after expenses, like whatever, like, Return on investment is basically profit. After all the bills are paid, how much did I make from this? Um, one of the other things about social media is it's disruptive. Um, it's everywhere. It shifts the balance of power. It can impact revenue. And really, it can change our lives and work because we can't, we don't get away from it. It's really pretty much with us 24-7 except when we're sleeping and sometimes even then when we wake up in the morning uh, there's a desire to you know you wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night how many of you reach over and look at your phone don't think that's not by design um, we also have a fragmented audience which allows followers to interact with brands in a variety of ways with online and offline um so you can break them up into different places and you can see them in different places. Um, and then you've got the seven principles of social media marketing. These are important. So write these down. I want to go into them one by one. We've got convergent. It's convergent. It's community oriented. It's comprehensive. It's chaotic. It's content driven. It's commercial and it's calculable. Calculable. It's a hard word to say. Sometimes. Maybe not. All right. So what I mean by these convergent what is convergence? Convergence is when like a lot of different things come together to make something new. The definition of the book for the PowerPoint is convergent industries are those that merge in a synergistic manner to create new outcomes. Let me read that again. Convergent, indus convergent industries are those that merge in a synergistic manner to create new outcomes. That is corporate speak if I've ever heard it. Convergent just means you got different technologies coming together to create something new. Um, you've got different technologies that are creating new products or new outcomes, new ways to communicate. You know, an iPhone is convergent technology because it allows you to do all kinds of things that you used to have to have separate devices to do. You know, you've got a camera and a phone. The next thing you know, you've got a, the ability to actually, you know, video chat with people. You can FaceTime. You can do all kinds of stuff. All right, um, but also now that you've got we've got GPS tracking, if you're near a store, and my store knows it, there's a high problem, and I'm doing advertising. I can, I can do things like if I'm doing social media marketing, that I can physically on a map draw a ring around an area. So if I know that you're going to be at this particular place, or a certain kind of people that I want to reach are going to be at this particular place at this particular time. I can buy advertising from a geo uh, tracking standpoint that is going to only reach people in a single building. Think about that. Like if I want to try to get people who work for a one company and come work for my company, I can physically market to people standing inside that building or at a ball game or wherever I am. I can do that. 
Um, it's community oriented. Uh, and it community oriented simply is just bringing people together who have a unified interest. Now, again, it gets back into are these good interest, bad interest, because social media um, can help bad actors as good as it as well as it can good ones. People trying to do bad things can use social media just as effectively as people trying to do good things. Um, you know, so again, it's powerful technology. It's comprehensive. Um, broad members of the world community participate in them and inform them and, and, and the information in them is vast. Let me read that again. Broad members of the world community participate in them and the information in them is vast. So lots of people, lots of different places across the world can share. Uh, like I was talking about, I'm, I'm in a lot of sailing groups and if I want information about, you know, what, Hey, I'm thinking about sailing across the Atlantic and then bouncing around the Mediterranean. Do you have some recommendations on like what I should do? Like what are some marinas I should consider? What are some things I should look out for? Some dangers I should avoid? Um, what are some things that you wish you had known? Um, and all of these things are... Um, it's strangers helping strangers or, and then you, or you can simply connect with people who, you know, have a lot of information and it just, you know, brings it and funnels it together. Um, and it's all these strangers and all these different ideas that makes it chaotic. And sometimes that chaos can seem really sort of, this is where we kind of feel rattled. Um, everything's open, everything's shareable. Once a message gets out, that it's out, you know, it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle, but there it goes. So, um, sometimes it's just messy. Social media can be messy. It's content driven. It's story driven. It's like, you know, brands are developing content, you know, just like you are trying to put out a, a digital version of yourself. Brands are doing the same thing. They're trying to create, They like when you think of their brand, they want you to think of them in a certain way. And the stories that they tell about themselves, and like the stories that you tell about yourself online, help feed that image. You know, true or not true. It's also commercial. This is what pays the bills. So social media and mobile technology are commercial directly through, uh, the, through actually buying and selling and indirectly. And influence and others buying and selling situations. What is that? Okay, social media and mobile technology are commercial directly through actual buying and selling and indirectly in their influence over others buying and selling. All right, so they're commercial directly, as in you can go to Amazon and buy anything you want to buy. All right, social, Amazon, I would almost argue, is a social media site in itself. You can buy and sell stuff, but you can also do reviews. You can do all kinds of stuff. Or, you know, you can even use, like, in the world of, you know, eBay or, or Facebook Marketplace, you can buy and sell stuff. Etsy, whatever, whatever your, your, your poison is. Um, and then it's also indirectly in their influence of others buying and selling. So this is where you get into the world of influencers. I'm super popular and I use this particular thing and you guys love watching my YouTube channel, so therefore... I talk about how great this thing is and then hopefully I convince you that that's the thing that you want to buy because you're looking for something similar. So it creates influence. And then finally, calculable. Um, the thing that works really well in digital marketing is everything is trackable and you can put dollars behind everything. Like you can measure everything in the world of like broadcast advertising, you know, a television station or a radio station can go, you know, we have a potential audience of this. So your message can possibly reach this many people, but you never really know how many people you're reaching in the world of social media marketing. You're like, I want to reach 5,000 people and I want them to all be in this kind of socio demographic. Um, and I want them to all be in this geographic, this one geographic location. And I can do that. I can reach that audience very specifically. And then I can also do things like I can track, I can, I can, you know, lay the code down in my website. So if I'm pushing stuff on 
say I'm trying to market stuff on three different social media sites and I've got an online store. I can, I can set it up that when I get the click throughs and I look through exactly where the purchase, like when people click buy on my website, I can see the path that they took. And so I can see which direct, you know, which sites, like if I'm using social media sites, um, are driving more people to actually create a, you know, funneling purchases. Um, and that's what makes it calculable. And that's one of the things that really makes it, um, popular, uh, with marketers, which brings us to integrated marketing communication, which is where we start blending all this. So we're doing large campaigns. So we show you PR folks, you're doing a PR campaign. You may be doing something out in public, you know, so maybe you're taking a bus out to whatever ball game and you're trying to do a thing like raise money for something, what, whatever the thing is. So you're doing something in person. Maybe you have a store and you've got signs in the window. You're doing something in person. You're also doing some stuff on the, you know, maybe you're trying to get some stuff on the news, like newscast or get them to talk about it on, on the morning show. So you're, you've got that going. And then you've also got, you know, your social media stuff. So maybe you're using all of these things. You're like, you know, text, you know, or hashtag this or whatever it happens to be, you know, click my whatever. And it, it brings it all together. And so it's all integrated. Again, this is where we talk about kind of synergistic stuff. It's uh, that we're just sort of, you know, it's convergence. We're bringing it all together. So you, as the marketers, as the wizards behind the curtain, so to execute the strategy, these kinds of strategies, you've got to segment and target markets, conduct consumer behavioral research, set appropriate goals, develop creative messaging, and consider various forms of media, test the strategy, determine the metrics, and measure for evaluation and establish legal boundaries. You have to do all these are the things that nobody really talks about that's really going on. Like you see that ad at that perfect moment. Um, well, people don't realize that ad hits them at that just the right moment is how much technology and planning made that happen. Like I want to hit you with this particular message at this particular time of day to get you to do this particular thing feel like more specifically I want you to feel a certain way that's all strategy and that's technology and it's all working together these things do not happen by accident and it's the and that's the end of the powerpoint but this is where I want to kind of wrap it up these are things that we need to do responsibly. Um, one of the things that's problematic with a lot of ways, and I think probably it's because we're, we're a bit juvenile in the way that we're using a lot of stuff right now. We don't really fully understand the consequences of it. So think about what you're doing. It's not just about being popular. It's also about being responsible um, and ethical uh, in the way we do it. So on... This date, 2021, January 20th, Inauguration Day, where a whole lot of chaos uh, came to America largely through social media, largely through marketing efforts through social media. Um, I'm going to leave you with a couple of things. Uh, one is Woody Guthrie, this land is your land. JLo uh, saying that today. And then I'm going to leave you uh, with a poem by Amanda Gorman uh, that she read at the inauguration. All right, crew. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I'll see you next week. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from California 
to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. As I went a-walking that ribbon of highway, and I saw above me that endless skyway, I saw below me that golden valley, this land was made for you and me. footsteps and the sparkling sands of her diamond deserts all around me a voice was a sounding this land was made for you and me there was a big high wall there that tried to stop me the sign was painted said private property but on the back side it didn't say nothing this land was made for you and me when the sun comes shining then i was strolling and the wheat fields waving and the dust clouds rolling a voice was chanting as the fog was lifting this land was made for you and me this land is your land, and this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Madam Vice President, Mr. Emhoff, Americans and the world. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace in the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That, 
is the promise to glade the hill we climb if only we dare it because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a forest that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption. We feared it at its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So. While once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be, a country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, but bold, fierce, and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens. But one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. So let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left with every breath from my bronze-pounded chest. We will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the West. We will rise from the wind-swept Northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked South. We will rebuild reconcile and recover in every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country, our people diverse and beautiful will emerge battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Woo!